Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We unpack the objective truth. This blue-chip discussion is for all of Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. The Point is the place to be for compelling discussion not heard anywhere else. We supremely uncover the details, and we expose the hidden facts of the initiatives being supported by our lawmakers and our candidates who are running for office. We also discuss the developments and milestones that are not being thoroughly reported by the mainstream fake news Pravda propaganda networks. Today we're going to be getting to the point with Annette Baker. Annette Baker's back with us today. We've missed her terribly for the last few weeks. Annette is an environmental science expert, homeschool teacher, and now state senatorial candidate for the Pennsylvania State 11th District Senatorial District against Judy Judith the Pill Schwank. And uh, we'll be running against her, the, the the Democrat socialist. I think that she would say she isn't, but we'll be running against her. But anyway, welcome back to The Point, Annette. Thank you. Glad to be back. Yes, and Judy Schwank will be happy you're back, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she will be. Anyway, I want to chat with you about the Marxist Democrats and their leadership and how they're attacking and threatening Supreme Court justices whom are attempting to affect their decisions. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to affect their decisions by threatening them. Chuck U. Schumer released rhetoric and threats that one would think was being aimed at Iran for attacking the American homeland or against another enemy of this country for attacking American citizens. The way he, the way he positioned his threat, the way he positioned his statement. But he wasn't talking Iran. He wasn't talking to North Korea, China, Russia. He wasn't talking to some terrorist organization. No, no, he was talking to the Supreme Court justices. And he even specifically called them out. And uh, Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Gorsuch, as he called it, Schumer threatened they will reap the whirlwind and they will pay the price. That's what his words were. And they will not know what hit them if they go through with their terrible decisions. Again, it sounds to me like he was threatening Iran. You better not shoot those missiles at our base or you will reap the whirlwind. See, if you had to put, Annette, if you had to put like a statement in front of that, you know, like what would prompt that kind of a comment, I should say, with that kind of rhetoric or that kind of a threat from a U.S. senator? It would be like if Iran was threatening one of our bases in Saudi Arabia with a missile threat, Chuck Schumer would say, you will reap the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You will not know what hit you if you go through with that decision. Okay. Or perhaps he would say that to North Korea if North Korea was to throw off a ballistic missile aimed at Alaska. You know, I could picture Chuck Schumer saying, you will reap the whirlwind. You will pay the price. You will not know what hit you if you go through with that decision. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe he'd say that to Russia if, if Russia threatened to attack one of our one of our ships over there in the Persian Gulf and sink it. You know, Chuck U. Schumer, maybe, maybe he'd say to the Russian president, you will reap the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You will not know what hit you if you go through with that decision. But no, he, he said that to Supreme Court justices as they're getting ready to rule and rule uh, on some activist nonsense that these people have been living for the last 50 years, uh, 40 years, I should say, uh, back in 73 when these 
when the activist judges overturned decades-old, century-old laws that outlawed abortion. Uh, now uh, they ruled them as unconstitutional. Now he's worried that these judges are going to say that those decisions were wrong because the population today, well, we all know that they're wrong, you see, and we're all standing for life. It looks like we're winning, but Annette, getting back to the, to the rhetoric, do you think that that type of rhetoric should have been thrust against our Supreme Court justices, or do you think that type of rhetoric should have been reserved for the enemies of our country? Well, you would think that that would be reserved for enemies of our country. I, I think that uh, thinking back with South Korea and, you know, you, you talked about Iran and South Korea, um, the interesting thing is when we were in the, the heat of the dialogue going back and forth between the two countries, uh, Senator Schumer wasn't even that harsh with the the Kim Jong-il or Kim Jong-un that's uh, the leader of uh, – of uh, North Korea or the the terroristic uh, Islamic jihadists that are in charge of Iran right now, uh, the the dialogue that he was actually using was directed more toward our own president, mm-hmm. that he needed to watch what he was going to be saying and That's doing right. because he was going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. It was going to be bad for the United States. Um, and that's that's part of what is just astounding um, to me that uh, he would be as bold and brazen as to threaten if you don't rule the right way. And this is what's between the lines. That's right. If they don't rule the way they want them to, meaning they, the pro-choice or pro-death people. um, (laughs) Boy, that's well, hold on. Let's let our listeners digest that because that really was well, that was unpacked with a punch in that. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's that's really what it is. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That not, is that is really what it is. It's not pro, about what is it? Uh, pro it's death, pro life, or pro choice. It's pro death or pro right. life. Wow, that's really, what it comes down to. Wow, that was with a punch, folks. That's what that was. <laughs> Good job, Annette. Well, Two weeks off, well, she comes back hitting. <laughs> <laughs> well, not exactly, but that that you know has been something that I've. Uh, thought a lot about um oh yeah you're we, right i we think you're absolutely talking right talking to someone else and we we said you know do you realize that now we have passed the 10 times mark and i said what it, well, what are you talking about and he's like you know in the united states we have aborted 10 times more babies than the number of jews that hitler killed that we know of in, in during world war ii it's amazing that is a disgusting number. Absolutely, um, but it is absolutely <clears throat> just shocking when you think about that. You know, the it's Holocaust ghastly. was it's ghastly. a horrible, horrible yeah. thing. Yep, yep. And yet now we've passed that ten times. You know, ten times the number of, of people that we know of. And we um, have people like Chuck U. Schumer defending it. Yeah, not even defending it. They are threatening. Threatening. That's right. That. You know, you need you better rule the way we want, which is to uphold. You know, make sure that there is there are no protections on the sanctity of life. There's no um, limits on when a, a baby can be aborted, either pre-birth or post-birth. They're even talking about post-birth abortions in some states. Uh huh. You know, uh-huh. In, in Virginia, Virginia we, we heard that. <laughs> right. So the governor that was from there. the governor's mouth. On a radio show, just so our listeners understand, from the governor's mouth on a radio show when he was being interviewed, he was being asked a question, 
what happens if a baby survives the abortion, which is ghastly. I mean, just think about that. Just think about that for a minute. The baby survives the attack and is born alive. The governor was asked the question. Now, this, now again, we, we call him a governor. We call him a, a, a lawmaker, an elected lawmaker. No, 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 folks. Let's not mistake in this. He is an elected activist. He is an activist. He is a selective lawbreaker. And he answered that question very, very confidently when he said, well, we'll make the baby comfortable, and then the mother and the doctor will discuss whether or not to proceed again with the abortion. In other words, now they have the live baby, and they want to kill it. So that's murder, again, because the baby survived. Folks, that is ghastly. That is like, that's like public hangings on steroids. I mean, if you're against public hangings and public executions, you know, on TV, okay, if you're against that, which, well, I'm against that, most normal people are, well, that's, th- this is like that on steroids, because now you're, you, you, th- this is amazing to me that these people would be defending the indefensible, and that's exactly what this is. This is unprecedented, folks. This is an attempt to intimidate. This is an effort to intimidate the court with a mob, and it's dangerous. Let the founding fathers, look, the the founding fathers intended to give the moral authority of decisions regarding the laws of the land and the Constitution to the Supreme Court. The role of the judiciary is to act as an anti-democratic branch of the government. It's their job to protect our rights guaranteed within the Constitution. It is the rhetoric of the Democrats to further polarize the people of this country. Okay? I mean, this guy spoke in front of an angry mob. Schumer spoke in front of an angry mob, and he, he did this, these threats in front of an angry mob, and he named these Supreme Court justices. He called them out. This is the same guy who was out of his mind when Trump commented on Maria Ivanovich, one of the key players in the impeachment sham. Remember that, Annette? She was one of those key players in the impeachment sham, Maria Ivanovich. Oh, yeah. She was that, that do nothing employee that really. Was, was, a, was a lousy employee, okay, a lousy State Department employee, okay? I mean, you know, but he was out of his mind. Remember when Trump declared she was incompetent, okay? You know, when, when they, he called it witness intimidation, okay? Well, they were suggesting he would be impeached for commenting on her job performance, and I thought that's, that, that is very, to, to me, that, that's just very telling, okay, on, on, on Chuck U. Schumer. Look, it's the leftist narrative along with their counterparts in the Pravda propaganda networks that have been at work dividing this country. It was they that said they, that we would all die with net neutrality. Remember that? Oh, we're all going to die, net neutrality. Or if, if health care for all, doctors for no one, does it not pass. If we don't get health care for all and doctors for no one, we got real problems. Oh, how about the Miami's going to be underwater in five or ten years. These are the same people, Okay. Look, it's they themselves that have been promoting panic with this coronavirus and now with gun control as well, okay? Look, where is the outrage from the phony propaganda networks? Where is their outrage? Annette, did I miss it? Was there outrage on the media on the fake Pravda news? Was there outrage over Chuck U. Schumer's threats to the Supreme Courts? I don't remember seeing it, Annette. Did, Did I miss it or was it there and I just didn't see it? Well, no, I, it wasn't there. I mean, it was it, typical um, of, of what we see all the time, the double-edged, you know, the double side of, of everything. 
Um, you know, if you have a D next to your name, you can get rid of, you can get away with a whole heck of a lot. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it's the two-tiered system that we have. That uh, if you have a certain name, certain party, certain, you know, whatever you want to put in there, uh, as long as it's endorsed by the media and those in power, you get a free pass. Um, and that's, that's the unfortunate thing. And that's what, you know, I was listening to another radio um, host that was talking about the idea that, you know, there's, there is definitely a two-tier justice system in this country. Uh-huh. If you and I did half the things that some of the Democrats have been accused of doing, and there's evidence that they've done it, if, you know, if Donald Trump had called out, say, Ruth Bader Ginsburg or Elena Kagan, or, or any of the other Supreme Court justices that tend to lean left, if he had called them out in such a, a fiery way, vitriolic <clears throat> way, the media would have absolutely gone wall-to-wall coverage. You see, like he was threatening Supreme Court justices. Chuck U. And Schumer. Yet when Chuck Schumer yeah, does it, right. nothing is said. Chuck U. Schumer, Annette, is longing for those Republicans like Howard Baker, who were... <laughs> who were, you know, very satisfied to be in a minority as Republicans. He wants those. Where are those Republicans that were happy to be in a minority? We got along with them so well, Chuck Schumer saying. Nancy Pelosi. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. You know, where are those Republicans that we can get along with? Oh, we got these people that want to lead. You know, this is really amazing to me. And, And I'll tell you, I said this over and over. But, but to me, it's very telling because it, it, it really, this is what has been going on, well, since the 60s and 70s. But the country missed it. When they took the Bibles out of schools in the early 60s, there was stone-cold silence. The church said nothing. Said nothing. When Donald Trump spoke at the pro-life march, he was the first president to speak at the pro-life march since they've been having a pro-life march, okay? Stone silence in the churches. I mean, you didn't hear a lot of it because they're so afraid of these, of the, of the, uh, well, of the fallout, I guess. We here on the point, we're pro-life and we're going to stand for life. We at the Burks Republican Committee are pro-life and we're going to stand for life. And we're going to call out these monsters for what they really are. Vile, profane, <laughs> ghastly monsters. That's what they are. And, and quite frankly, I, I'm, I'm amazed at this. Look, these are the people. This is the snowflake generation, okay, who got all upset when the hourglass announcing new programming came on the screen. They, they said, oh, that's threatening. <laughs> no kidding. They're trying to add enthusiasm at the ballot box. With this reckless rhetoric, make no mistake about it, this is being unpacked here with a punch. They are, un- they are trying to, to add enthusiasm at the ballot box with this explosive, irresponsible rhetoric. They're doing it with the coronavirus. We're going to get to that in a little while. But, I mean, the bottom line is that they're doing it on every chance they get. They're, they're just trying their best because they don't have any issues to talk about. But, again... This is the same senator. When Chuck U. Schumer was on, he was on with Rachel Mad Dog Maddow. And, uh, you know, she was on her little uh, flailing show, the one nobody watches. And uh, Evening with Rachel, I don't know what her show is. I, I kind of even know the name of it. What's her show, Rachel's show? 
Maddow. What, what is it? It's just Rachel Maddow? Is that her show? I think it is the Rachel Maddow show. All right, yeah. whatever. <laughs> anyway, it's lousy. Don't watch well, it, folks. Well, pretty sad. None of, us, <laughs> none of us know. I just know she's doing the interview, but she was doing the interview with Chuck U. Schumer, and, and, she, and he said he had made a comment. This is back in 2017. He said, if Trump wants to go after the intel community, let him try. Because the intelligence community, they'll, they'll get you six ways from Sunday if you go after them. Now, this is what Chuck, right. this is what a deep state player said about a, well, about an, an elected president going after illegal activity within the deep state. Oh, if he goes after the intel committee, intel intelligence community, he's got real problems. Look, the, the prop to propaganda networks gave Schumer plenty of air cover by covering everything else but Schumer's threats towards the Supreme Court. And I think that Annette basically spelled that out. They, 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 it wasn't anywhere. If you watch these phony experts leave out the relevant facts on Schumer's statements, again, proving, that's what we did. If we all watched, because we watched the news, they did. They left out all the relevant facts on Schumer's statements and proved over and over again, again, it's Exhibit A, that they are acting as enemies of the people by omitting the news and inserting propaganda talking points for the Democrats. And that is what they were doing. Imagine if Trump said what he said. I mean, the pitchfork store would run out of pitchforks because the outrage would be so deafening. I mean, that's to me, the, 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 the activist judges in 1973 already decided to decide against the laws that have been on the books for generations pr- pr- protecting the unborn and preventing abortions. They acted as the activists then, and Schumer and his profane friends know the judges on the court today are likely to correct some of these decisions. And that is delicious, folks. Now, what is the decision that's in front of the Supreme Court? Well, it's the Louisiana legislature uh, abortion law that they came out with, and they're challenging that. The law requires doctors who are performing the abortions to have admitting privileges at a hospital within 30 miles of the abortion. Now, I want our listeners to understand the significance of that because that, that a very, that's a very important thing. Why is it important that you have, well, a doctor, well, a licensed doctor who also has admitting privileges in a hospital. The reason this is significant is that most doctors don't, they don't perform abortions. A doctor's not going to do that. Okay? It's a different type of person that does an abortion. Doctors don't do that. Annette, that's my take on it, Annette. Now, what's your take on it? Why do you think that's significant? Because obviously it's going to reduce the amount of people that do abortions. That's my point. But Annette, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, obviously the the problem here is, and you're right, the, the doctors that are doing these abortions, one of the, the main reasons, um, and, and this is something that I've never understood, if abortions are to be safe, then why would you not want to have a doctor that has admitting privileges at a hospital? That's right. Because if there's a, con- a complication, they can get aid to that woman quickly. Now, it's interesting, 50% of hospitals or 50% of abortion clinics here in Pennsylvania failed their health inspections in 20, in 2019. <laughs> Say that again, Annette. Now, I would Say that again, Annette, because that's like the counterpunch. According to an article that I read, <laughs> 2000, in 2019, 50% of the abortion clinics failed their, their, exam, their health exams. That's amazing. That's amazing. So if, if Pennsylvania has that problem, I would assume that in Louisiana they might have the same kind of issues. 
obviously if a woman has a complication, uh, you're going to want quick medical access in order to save her life because that's one of the reasons that the pro-abortionists will talk about wanting to have a woman have to have the uh, abortion is that, you know, you need to, in the case of saving the life of the mother. So why would you not want to have a doctor have admitting privileges? Now, there, the, the other side of the argument is, well, that's just to limit who can have abortions because it will limit people that will have admitting privileges. Well, I want you to answer the question. Answer your own question. I know it's rhetorical, but answer yeah. your own question for our listeners. Why do you believe that they want to prevent doctors that have admitting privileges to, you know, why do you think they want to prevent a law that requires that pe- that the doctors have admitting privileges or they can't do abortions? Why do you think they that they're against that law? Well, they're they're against the law because they say that it's it's going to limit doctors' access, and and it's true because a lot of That's the doctors right. will come from out of state. But but the other and end, they but, won't but, necessarily have admitting but doctors, privileges. But but doctors. Now I'm talking about doctors. Doctors that are sworn to save lives and protect lives, okay? It's it's instinctive in them. It's like one of those things. When you study to be a doctor and you want to be a doctor and you're good at what you do, you're gonna you're not going to do an abortion. You're not going to kill a baby. You're not going to go after a baby in a sonogram and, and cut it to pieces or whatever they do. You're not going to do that. It takes a yeah, unique that's, type that's of profane... doctors that that's go right. across the borders. That's right. It takes they a unique... other states. That's right. It takes a unique profane quack to do something like this because they, they have to be profane. A godly person doesn't do this. They're not going to do an abortion. And, and, right. and they're just not going to kill a life. And I'm just... This is why they're against it. Because, like you said, they got these doctors. I'm not even going to give them the title doctor, okay? I'm not going to do that, Annette. Because I don't think they're doctors. A doctor doesn't kill a baby. These are people that have medical training that will pass a certain threshold that gives them the ability to get a license to do something like to do an abortion. But the fact is, to have admitting privileges in a hospital, they have to really be good at what they do as a doctor. And very few of these people have that kind of skill, or they would be doing the doctoring and not doing the abortions. I want you. I want our listeners to understand that this is this is I mean, obviously it's going to limit the amount of abortionists, but what it's also doing is it's preventing the abortion by saying, "Well, you're only going to have a certain person be able to do this." I mean, there's very few people that have those credentials and experience and training to be a doctor, the medical training, that are willing to do abortions. Very few. (laughs) Very few. And this is why they're challenging this law. And I think that's very interesting. And then am I wrong when I say that? No, I think that that definitely, you know, I think that plays into that as well. I mean, there's definitely more people, doctors that that would uphold their Hippocratic Oath of, of not doing any harm to their patients. That's right. Um, and that's why I think they use very specific language, denying a fetus personhood. That's right. Because if they admit that it's a person, then they, they would have to reconcile with their conscience that they are killing a human being. They're not killing a blob of cells. That's right. Um, you know, and, and it's amazing. You know, we had in, in Pennsylvania our own horror story with right. Kermit Gosnell. Oh. Down in Philadelphia, which oh. everybody, you know, you, you heard very little in the news media about that um, because that was that was absolutely heinous what that guy did. Yeah. 
And, you know, they had another case, I think it was in Illinois. Um, maybe it was in South Bend, Indiana. I'm not sure. It might have been in Indiana. But there was a, another doctor who had thousands of remains of aborted children that they found in cars. He died unexpectedly. His family was going through his belongings and found thousands of these babies, that their remains that were stored in these vehicles and in his home and different places like that. It just, it's unbelievable. You know, I would be, I'm with you. I would not call him a doctor. He's a serial murderer. That's what they are. Um, I mean, they're, they're people that have, know. that have taken their, that, 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 that studied to do something and that couldn't, they couldn't toe the mark for whatever reason. They just couldn't, they couldn't make it. Either they couldn't pass the tests or whatever. So the, to have admitting privileges at a hospital, and this is what the whole point is, to have admitting privileges, you really have to be a trained, talented doctor. I mean, you you, you got to be more than just whatever, okay? And and very few, if any of these people, meet that criteria, and that's why they're infuriated about this law. Make no mistake about it, folks. This is why they're infuriated. We, the right and the decent, with our crusader-in-chief, the most pro-life president we've ever had in this country, are winning this battle. Make no mistake about it, and Chuck U. Schumer knows it. And that's delicious. Because we've been we've been fighting this battle. I mean, I've been fighting this battle for a long time. And that, I mean, we've been, we've been looking at this for a long, long time. <laughs> and we're winning. Yeah. I mean, this really is, I mean, this is the beginning of the end for these people. And they know it. I mean, abortion is the modern slavery issue of, of 1850. I mean, it was a moral question then. Slavery was a moral question then, as abortion is today. And I think when you take the side of supporting the killing of a baby, and what's out there today in science, and people see this, they see what a baby is. This is so much more than it was in 1973, 74 people know what a baby is. They see it. They've seen the sonograms. These women have watched their babies in sonograms, moving around, jumping around. They've seen this, and they know what they are at 20 weeks, 18 weeks, 25 weeks. They know. They see it. They see the little hands moving and stuff. They see it. And they can't believe that there's people that actually want to fight for the right of killing these babies still. And I'm just blown away by it. Uh, the Burks GOP is participating in a Reading March for Life on May 3rd. Uh, they're meeting at the uh, Burks Catholic High School. Uh, it starts about 1 p.m. There'll be more details on that. We'll be uh, 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 reporting on that and obviously uh, uh, letting people know as we get closer. More details will become more available, and we'll be announcing that right here on our show. So, And on our website, burksgop.com. And whatnot. But I mean, I got to tell you, I'm really, really pleased that we, uh, I mean, we had the opportunity to watch these people in action. And uh, it's just really breathtaking to me. It really is. But let's shift gears a little bit. Now, when this whole thing started, I, I had remember telling you, Annette, that I thought Tulsi Gabbard was was the one I was most concerned with. Well, she's not even re- registering on the, she, she's getting less than low fat milk. <laughs> percentages okay (laughs) 
However, your candidate, is he still in the race? And then I forgot. Uh, Buttigieg. No. Uh, all right. So Booty one you, he's out. The one. So whose candidate, whose con, whose candidate of concern was still in the Democrat race? Whose candidate of concern? Yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's amazing to me to look at you know where things have gone because if you had told me that everybody else was going to end up out, considering the field that started that's right, this that's race, right. isn't it amazing? And the Democrats are constantly touting how they are the most diverse group and they are the the ones that are reaching out to the young and they're the ones and now you what, what do you have you weak know? and they have you have weak and weaker yeah just, that's what you, you have, have weak you know, and weaker and left. you got you got a, you got a devout right. communist and then you got a guy that wants to usher in socialism yesterday then you got a guy that wants to ease it on in in five years either way they both right. want it but what's interesting is i loved when elizabeth warren went out okay they asked her the question about sexism did you did you lose this race? They said because the sexism and misogyny that's going on. <laughs> and I, I just I mean it, it's breathtaking to me. Okay, I mean her comments on letting I remember her comments and 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 actually Annette, you're the one that alerted me on it because I missed the comments in the news. But because you're such a star player, you brought it up. <laughs> it was a nine year old transgender, uh, you know, student that she uh, she wanted to say I want that person to be uh, make the decision on who leads the Department of Education. So she was willing to let that nine-year-old transgender student fly the plane for the Department of Education. Well, let's, folks, that wasn't received very well. <laughs> she can't understand why she didn't resonate with people. Well, you don't, you don't promise to let a nine-year-old transgender fly the plane on the Department of Education. If the Department of Education is a significant department and, and, the, Depart- and, the, and the Secretary of Education... Is a, is, a, is a very significant position. Why would you let a nine-year-old transgender make that decision as to who serves in that position? I, you know, that's, I mean, if, if, it's a, if it's a position of consequence, you don't offer it to a nine-year-old transgender child to lead this election process. That's just insane. Elizabeth Warren is a caricature of the insanity, of the insanity of what has taken over the Democrat Party. That's what she is. Their comments on how women are treated differently and perceived differently turns off people. Turns off people. When they claim a little alarm bell goes off when a woman wants to take on leadership, when they make that claim, it turns off people. These intersectional nuts who claim misogyny and sexism, every time they lose an election or fail to get a job, it's patronizing to women and minimizes women, and women don't want it. And they don't understand why they don't get the women vote. <laughs> they don't get it. And, and, you know, this is amazing. This is likely why they don't get the women vote. They know that. They should know that, but it doesn't matter. They just decide to bang their head up against the wall and say, why do women not want women in charge? Annette, I think they think that women need to be in charge because of women. It's a sexual problem and not a competency problem. Because if you go to a competency issue for any job, any CEO job, any leadership role, or any any office held office, it's not a gender issue. It is a competency issue. And that would you agree with that? Are you do you think that these people see it's a competency issue when she's offering to have a nine year old transgender make decisions to select, you know, basically to to fly the plane, if you will. 
to be to lead the selection process for the for the Secretary of Education. I mean, Annette, why did she lose this election? <laughs> why is she out? Well, why is she watching this well, from the sidelines now? <laughs> well, I think uh, Focahontas had problems from the very beginning um, because she she focused so much and she was willing to pander to any group that could potentially help her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why uh, a lot of people are just tired of that. They want authenticity. They want someone who's going to tell them like it is, whether they want to hear it or not, whether they receive it or not. Right. They still want people to be authentic and tell them what they really think. That's and I right. think she shifted to that. And that was the problem. <laughs> because then people started looking at her policies and they went, whoa, wait a minute. That's, that's no, that's not what This is want. out of the twilight zone. <laughs> It really is. And, 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 you know, when they're trying to outleft each other, like, you know, but, but, going but further at, and further toward. But her Bernie, policies, she was the one that came up with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which enabled. What a nightmare. What a nightmare. Which allows, which allows a person who gets a house loan, a mortgage loan, if he can't make his payment, to actually have an open door to sue the lending company. That's right, folks. She opened mm-hmm. that door. Now, that's insanity to me. Why would anyone want to loan someone money to take a chance on a? No one would be able to. I, anyway, this is the insanity. If you know, I, I don't want to go too much into this because if I do, we're all going to need to take exceptions before the end of the day. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I mean, but it's insane. She can't understand why she didn't connect. Look, remember when she went after Bloomberg? Yeah, you know, she went off on that, and when she went off on Bloomberg, she turned off so many people. Look, her intersectional politics is weird and it's threatening. That's the bottom line. Intersectionality does not help increase jobs. It does not help improve our pursuit of happiness. Intersectionality is about division. It's about hate. It's about jealousy. It's about envy. It's about infighting. And it's about selfishness, self-centeredness, narcissistic. This This is what intersectionality is. It's about blaming everybody else. It's about claiming I'm oppressed and that's why I didn't succeed. I mean, the woke virus has infected her and the Democrat Party in that. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know that there, anybody's working on a cure for the woke virus <laughs> in terms of, uh, you know, having a vaccine. Although I guess we could say conservatism is the ultimate vaccine. <laughs> Uh, the ultimate. Oh, cure. that was that's uh, <laughs> that's unpacked with a punch in that. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Voting for Annette for the Pennsylvania 11th will be a cure for that as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. <clears throat> me. So, yeah, it's, it's something that we definitely, uh, you know, looking at their policies. I yeah. think that's what the problem is. And it's easier to throw the racism, sexism that's card right. out. That's right. When you don't want to admit that your policies stink. That's right. Who wants to, you know, no one wants to admit that they've made a mistake or they've, they've made a wrong choice on no. policy. It's hard. You, you want to defend that because especially if it's something that you feel very passionate about. And obviously she's, you know, she's very passionate about wanting to soak the rich, make sure that they, ta- you know, pay 75% taxes so that everybody can have everything they want, including, you know, free tuition, which she still couldn't figure out how to to cover the bill for that right um and i think that's the problem is you know she realized deep down i think she realizes that her policies that's why she got out was because no one was she didn't have the vote she didn't so you're saying to me that she realized inside that no one was connecting with her policies or her 
lack of humor, Absolutely. correct? Okay. I agree yeah, with you. I mean, she, <laughs> I agree. she realized that, you know, what, what did she get, like 2 3% in a couple of the, the Super Tuesdays? She came in third, almost um, fourth. She came in third, almost fourth yeah. in, in her home state. I think that's amazing. Yeah. But when you look at the when you look at the, the the flip side of this, and you look at the Republican enthusiasm at the primaries, this is very interesting. I've got to get to this. We saw that in an uncontested, virtually uncontested, uh, Republican primary. Okay, in Alabama, <clears throat> Trump got more votes. He got like three times the votes that that Barack Hussein Obama got as an incumbent back in 2012. Uh, but I thought what was interesting was he got more than Reagan got in Alabama. Trump outdid Trump outdid Reagan in Arkansas. Trump outdid Reagan in Iowa. In Massachusetts, Massachusetts, there was a quarter of a million people voted in the Republican primary in uncontested Massachusetts. I think that rattles the cages of these Democrats. Again, uh, New Hampshire, 130,000. Uh, Oklahoma, nearly a, well, over a quarter of a million. Tennessee, almost a half a million in Tennessee. Texas. In Texas, this was the big enchilada because this was, <clears throat> Trump got more votes in Texas than all the Democrats combined. <laughs> now that is delicious. And this is what. Same thing happened in Colorado, too. <laughs> That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. California, what I thought was interesting in California, nine Republican state rep, uh, U.S. Re- representatives, nine. Now, there's 35 in the state, I believe. Nine of those 35, and I think the Republicans hold like six or seven. <clears throat> well, nine of them, the Republicans got the lead votes in. The Republicans literally got more votes in those nine Senate, uh, congressional districts than the Democrats did. And, of course, I understand it's a primary, but what's interesting on this is Republicans came out in congressional districts in California to outnumber their Democrat counterparts, and the Democrats had a race. Now, I think that's interesting. I don't know if we're going to flip California, but I do believe we're going to win seats back in California, and that's very telling. Unless Bernie Sanders is on the ticket, I don't see winning California. But with, with Joe Biden, <clears throat> I mean, literally, I mean, literally absent-minded professor, uh, you know, I, I, the guy that, that can't get anything right, I mean... I, I'm 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 amazed at, at at his at his well at his absent-minded state. He can't compose statements. He can't compose sentences. You know when he says all men and women were, we all believe these truths to be self-evident that all men and all women were created. Uh, 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 well, you all know that thing. Yeah yeah yeah. You all know what that is. I mean, he couldn't remember it. Now maybe it's because he was afraid to, you know declare God, created by God in a Democrat primary. And that might be true, too, because you got a lot of profane people that are going to be, well, upset that he was, you know, advocating for the statement that uh, we're all created by, by a creator when they don't believe in that. <clears throat> so <clears throat> maybe that's what he was trying to hold back on. I don't know. But he looked pretty bad. I mean, even the other day when, a few days ago, when he was making a statement, uh, I mean, he's trying to shape a sentence, and he said, we're not going to win this re-election. Trump is going to win his re-election. And then he furthered it by saying, if we do our circular firing squad. But but he said Trump will win his re-election. And it was the way he led up to it. If you go to YouTube, you see it. You know, it's unbelievable the way. 
I mean, his own, the people that were standing behind him were laughing. You could, you could hear the, the out loud laughs that were coming into his microphone. Because remember, he's talking, so you get silence so he can talk. But in the back, you could hear the belly laugh of people that go, what are you saying? You got to watch the video to, to see it. Annette, I mean, Annette, what are your thoughts on, on the turnout in Republican primaries? And uh, is it a harbinger of how this election is going to go in, well, seven months? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it is a harbinger. I think it is. Um, I think that's why uh, the, the left and particularly, you know, going, going back to Chuck Schumer, going back to Elizabeth Warren, even, you know, Bernie Sanders, they're all getting edgier. They're all getting, like, more um, vocal and strong and, and sometimes unhinged sounding right, right, right. Uh, with Senator Schumer threatening the Supreme Court justices. They, they know what's coming. And the interesting thing is someone made the comment to me, and it was a very um, – So you're saying you don't think that you, – you're, you, you're saying that you don't think they believe they can win. Oh, no. I think they know the writing's on the wall. That's I think right. they're just they're, – they're starting to see it now. They're starting to understand just what kind of mountain they have to climb that's if right. they think they can win. That's right. Um, and that's, that's part of what I think the panic is setting in. That's right. Um, because they, they don't know what they're going to do with a, a two-term Donald Trump. Because remember, and this is true for every president, whether they're Republican or Democrat or whatever you know they might be, and who knows what we'll have in the future. But every, everyone, even, even in, our, in, in Pennsylvania, Governor Wolf was very restrained in the way that he went about his first term. Now that he's in his second term, he's completely unfettered. Well, except for Mike Fetterman. But he's completely... You mean Timothy Leary, our lieutenant governor, Timothy Leary, yeah. the stone yeah. cowboy. <clears throat> yeah, him. <laughs> yeah, him. Um, you know, in your first term, you have to kind of play things a little more a little more closer to the vest, a little bit more conservative in, in your approach. Because the idea is if you're going to run for a second term, you don't want to do anything that's going to really anger your base or anger the other side that's to the right. point that you're not going to be heard and they're not, you're not going to win a second term. That's right. And that's what they're afraid of because they're like, wait a minute, we've dealt with Donald Trump and he has done things that nobody saw coming. Nobody saw him ramping up tariffs. And saying, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna nail China with the tariffs." He's bringing we're this country. Nail other countries. He's bringing back the American comeback, and it's scaring oh, the yeah. heck out of them because they know and they understand that this economy will take off like a like a nuclear power plant on a rocket ship, and they know that we're gonna well, we're gonna surpass all other countries. I mean, even with this stuff, we're gonna get to the coronavirus. I'm gonna get to that in the Watchmen, but but we're gonna see. I mean. The, the the economy right our our economy is so strong and in spite of what you see in the stock market in spite of the panic that everyone's trying to instill okay the economy's still strong and they know it and they know that when all this relieves itself and it will this summer and they know it then the stock market's going to come back strong just in time for the election and they know that and this is what like Annette, you're absolutely right. They know they have nothing to defeat to defeat Trump with. Trump is the most savage counterpuncher politically they've ever faced, and they know it. They've never experienced and, and anyone like him ever. That's yeah, why, and that's what scares them. That's and, why we and, call him Gideon you know, with the a sword. The other thing that's happening 
is that people are beginning to wake up to the, the fact that we have allowed China to box us into a corner. That's right. There are certain antibiotics that are only manufactured in That's China. Right. That's right. There are certain drugs that are only manufactured in China. We can't get them here in the United States. So what happens when, and now we're seeing an actual real life, not in theory, but in a real life scenario, what happens when China has its population that is unable to work and supply the goods and services that we're used to? That's right. People are beginning to understand we need to bring manufacturing back to our country. We need to bring it back to Pennsylvania. And that's one of the things that, that people are, are really understanding now. That's right. Just like what they're <clears throat> seeing in Australia where they have actual toilet paper shortages. People are fighting each other in they stores. Need, they need to learn to use three squares in that. That's the problem. We talked about Not that. Not going there. No. <laughs> we talked about <laughs> No. That. Hey, hey, hold <laughs> so on. I think Rush Limbaugh was the one that said, run outside and grab a, grab a bunch of leaves for crying out loud. Hey, let me, let me just say this, though. I think they're also seeing the Latino polls. And they see the Latino oh, are. voters are leaning for Trump, and they see that. They see that the, the African-American polls. They see that That's they're right. seeing that he's doubling or maybe tripling his, 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 uh, his take on the, um, on the black or African-American vote coming up. And they know that, too. His, he's improving with them. And he know, and they all know that he's going to do better in 2020 than he did in 2016. In 2016, he got like 8% of the black vote. They anticipate he could do maybe 20 or 25%. I've heard 20, 25 for sure, 20. They're, they're saying that he's got a good chance of doubling or tripling what he got. Also, too, with the Latino voters, and this is really the compelling one. Latino voters are going to be the largest minority voting block. All right, they're going to, they actually outnumber the African-American voters. Latino voters are leaning now for Trump. Now, we see Hispanic voters are driven by jobs and economy as their top issues. Now, the fundamental mistake that the Pravda propaganda networks and the phony Democrats and the Marxist Democrats are making is they think that illegal, illegal immigration is a driving force behind the Latino vote. Folks, it's illegal immigration. That's their primary concern. With Hispanic voters, not in, the, it, it, not in the way that the Democrats think, though, because Hispanic Americans who went through the process to become a legal immigrant do not support those wanting to allow Hispanics and others into our country illegally. Hispanic unemployment is at 4.4%. 4, 4. <clears throat> I think Trump will secure 50% of these votes in November I mean, look, maybe, maybe I'm a little wishful thinking, but certainly he'll do 45%, which is what GW did in 2000 and 2004. I believe it was 2000 he got 45% of the Hispanic vote. Now, you see the elites and the socialists see something different. What they, you know, what, what do they see when they see illegal immigrants, okay? They see people that are undereducated and in poverty, and they see people coming here for food stamps, free education, and free housing, and free medical. That's what they see. People need our programs. They're coming here. And they also see voters in that. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't care that allowing illegals entry into this country when they're coming in poverty, when they're coming needing the social services for free education, free housing, free medical, free food stamps, that it's actually taking away needed resources from our own citizens. They don't see it like that. They don't care about that. They want it for the vote end. Annette, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, all you have to do is take a look at California and the way that 
people are are having issues out there that are they can't understand how they're elected leaders. I saw a video of a gentleman who had two men that showed up. He had gone to work, came home. They had pitched a tent in his, he climbed over his fence, unlocked the gate, put, pitched a tent in his yard, moved their stuff in. Right. And he called the police to get them evicted. And the police said, well, if you <clears throat> touch their stuff and throw them out, you're going to get arrested for, for messing with their stuff. So they won't even enforce the law to protect this man who's a property owner. Right. And <clears throat> and throw out these two guys who are there on his property. They're trespassing. Right. That is what is happening across California. That is happening across the United States. And people are tired of it. People are being tired of being told that U.S. citizens are now second or third class citizens in their That's own right. country. And... <clears throat> People that come here that break the law, they're here illegally. They first break the law, but then they are rewarded for breaking the law. And that's what a lot of people are very upset about. You know, we're, we're a compassionate country. We love taking care of people. We, who, who is the country that stands up when there is an international tragedy? The United States, we're, we're organizing people. We sent people to Australia to help fight the bushfires down there. Right. Because we are willing as a nation to do what we can to help other countries. But when our own people are suffering and need the help, we have states like California that say, no, we're going to put illegal you know, people here illegally ahead of you in line and take care of them first. We have vets that need care. We, they need to be taken care of first. No question. They're the ones, they're the ones <clears throat> that have sacrificed. Their families have sacrificed. And for them to be on the streets, losing their homes, all the things that happened, the stuff that I hear where they're waiting for months to get help from the VA, that's socialized medicine. Well, it's That's Bernie Sanders' idea. It's Medicare for all doctors for no one. <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. And I think that I, you're right. I think what when you talk to the Latino community, you begin to understand that they're all for legal immigration. That's right. Just like the rest of us. But they really have a problem with people that jump the line in front of them or their family members. Well, they also because that's what a lot of people don't don't think about is the fact that a lot of these people who have come here legally have jumped through the hoops. They have family members that they would like to bring into the United States, well, but they can't. We are also because they have to wait their 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 turn. When Trump made the statement back in 2016, and he made this statement, it just it's well, I should say 2015. He made the statement. He said that uh, <clears throat> Mexico sending us a bunch of criminals. There a bunch of criminals coming over. A lot of pe- coming over as criminals, and, and basically they're feeding a. Well, they're they're feeding a basically a, they're creating a uh, crime syndicate, if you will, uh, a generation of criminals. And and because uh, when you bring people in <clears throat> who don't have the ability to take care of themselves, who don't have the ability to to successfully raise a family because they don't have the mindset for it when they're too busy trying to figure out how to steal or or worse, okay? I mean, when they're bringing their illegal activities with them over the border, <clears throat> when you're doing this, these people, they're, they're, they're actually uh, feeding the, the crime element in these neighborhoods. I was oh. talk, talking to my mother and how much different the neighborhoods are today versus when I was a kid. Now, of course, I didn't grow up here, but... I think what's interesting is I was just talking to my mother the other day, and, and she and I were talking. She goes, yeah, you kids used to take your bikes out. You guys would be out, 
and you just knew to come home at 5 o'clock for supper. I mean, you just had your bikes, you were out right. Today, it's not like that because there's so many criminals out there. There's so many bad people out there. Now, part of that, part of the activity that's been going on in this country for the last 30 years, part of it is illegal immigration that's been feeding that that crime element. Part of it. No, not all of it. I don't want people saying, oh, you know, I mean, they're saying all. We're not saying all of it. We're simply pointing out that that is a, that is a component to the crime that exists in this country. It is a component that's right. to and make that. That's right. It makes that is a yeah, component that adds to bad neighborhoods. Exactly. exactly. And, and, you know, the interesting thing, I don't know if you heard about the case that the Supreme Court ruled on. That was a 5-4 split uh-huh. that said that the the government could prosecute when they find someone who is illegally using someone else's social security number to, to, because they're here illegally that the government can prosecute that person right for using somebody else's identification to secure a job here in the United States it had to go all the way to the supreme court <clears throat> for an official ruling about that. As to whether or not the government could prosecute the the those that broke the law and were here illegally and had stolen someone's identity. And it was a 5-4 split. How did we get to that point where stealing, first of all, breaking the law to come across the, the border illegally, stealing someone's identity, and you can't be prosecuted for either one? That tells you what the priority is of the democrat party the priority is anything goes to secure votes because they know they're losing the votes of the american people that's right they have to import that's right illegal voters and if people want to challenge me and tell me that that doesn't happen i will be happy to show you lots of articles that i found where they now suspect Tens of thousands of illegals have voted across the country. That's why oh, they're yeah. pushing the national popular vote bill, because they know that if they ever get to that point where they do away with our electoral college, they can get enough people <clears throat> to go in to vote, yeah. and it will be over. We'll never see another Republican president, definitely never another conservative. Well, this is what they're hoping for, but but I'll be candid with you. I don't think that's going to happen, and we, you and I have had oh, our yeah, conversations it's, it's on that. It's not going to happen. But, 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 but you're right. They're, they're, they're that's aim, what their goal is, Their though. aim is. If they that, can find a way to make it happen, That is their will. mission. That is their mission. That is their goal. And let me also suggest, now, if you want to know what the cost of illegal immigration is in this country, the cost to each state, go to burksgop.com. That's right, Burks, G-O-P, B-E-R-K-S, Burks. BerksGOP.com, and we have a uh, tab right there on the homepage. It's called uh, Cost of Illegal Immigration. Check it out. Uh, it's for the entire, all the, all the states. You know, you just click on it, and you can click on a state that tells you the specifics within the state, which, how much each illegal within that state costs the taxpayers. But I think there's another component, as we discussed, and that, and that component is crime. I think it does add to the crime element. And, uh, and, and look, that's why countries want to bring people in that can contribute to their bottom line that, that aren't going to take away the resources and, and need to be on government subsidies. Because when you're bringing people in that bring in a job and a talent and a skill, well, they're not going to be contributing to the criminal element. But when you have to steal to provide for your family because you don't have any of those skills, 
and the medic and you know whatever and because you're 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 you know you got other bad habits that cause you to have to want to steal when you break when you're breaking the law and let's face it coming over here illegally knowing you're breaking the law is breaking the law and they know they're doing it so if they're willing to do that what else are they willing to do that's something else another topic for another day we are out of time Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Thank you, Annette, for taking the time with us today. We appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in, listening to us here on The Point. I really believe that we unpack this with a punch today, and we truly appreciate you making us your station and your your centralized point in, t- in time of political turmoil to come to for information, because we will always be truthful and uh, practical and factual with you. But thanks for tuning in. Some of our audience listens to The Point on the YouTube channel by going to YouTube, searching uh, WFYL on YouTube. You can actually listen to Listen Live there, or you can actually go to 1180WFYL.com and listen live there. Others listen to the podcasts as we post them. Others tune in uh, during normal listening time while they're in the listening area. However you choose to listen to us, we appreciate it. We truly do. That's why we're here. For Annette Baker, I'm Clay Brees. See you next week on The Point. Goodbye for now.